You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 3rd, 2021. My name is Phil Frost, I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore O-N-D. On today's bonus episode of Locked On Magic, I did another locker room conversation and to make sure that it airs and you hear it before it goes old. I wanted to play it here on Saturday, so you'll enjoy this. Hopefully, you'll enjoy this before Saturday's game against Utah Jazz. We'll be back again Monday with a full episode. Well, this will be a pretty full episode. It'll be about an hour, but we'll be back with a regular episode, a regularly scheduled episode of Locked On Magic coming up on Monday, so get excited for that. We'll recap the weekend's games as well as, well as look ahead to a few days of, or at least a day of practice before the Magic are home for a little while, so a lot to get to. Before we dive into our locker room conversation, first, let me remind you that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets? Check out, check out our pals at Locked On Jazz or Locked On Nuggets. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, there's a Locked On Podcast for you to search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. As I mentioned, we've been doing these locker room uh, chats uh, weekly here now for uh, roughly the last uh, last two weeks now. Um, still a new platform, still getting the hang of it. So if there's any technical issues at the beginning or, or as I'm figuring things out, please bear with me. Uh, I am hoping to make these more regular. I really enjoy talking to you guys and getting a feel for what you guys are thinking about and, and answering your questions more directly. And yes, I do play them on the show here to share with the fun. If you want to join in on the conversation, I will plan on hosting a locker room conversation this Thursday at, uh, let's go with 5.30 p.m. Uh, this Thursday at 5.30 p.m. We will have another locker room conversation. Uh, I'll let I'll get let you know all the details. But follow me on locker room. Download the locker room app and follow me there at P Rossman Reich to get in on the fun. Let's dive in to today's conversation. I'll, I'll get things started here uh, with a little bit of. Um, with, with just a little bit of thoughts from this week and, and what's been a really kind of fun week, honestly, of Orlando Magic basketball. Um, the Magic, obviously, are a week removed from the big trades that sent out Nikola Vucevic, Evan Forney, and Aaron Gordon and really reshaped the the front o- the, the franchise. Um, you know, the, the front office made it very clear why they made these moves. They felt like, A, they weren't going to be able to retain Evan Fournier. B, Aaron Gordon was kind of at his maximum value uh, and, and it didn't really fit the long-term plans for the team. Uh, they were bumping up again. They've been bumping up against the luxury tax and the salary cap for a while, and been over the salary cap for a while now. Um, and then finally, just came down to Nikola Vucevic, no longer fit kind of the long term timeline. And so, while it would have been nice to to kind of keep him around, maybe and still compete for a middling playoff seed, they ultimately reasoned, and probably right reasoned, that they weren't going to be able to take the next step. Um, be, they wouldn't. They weren't going to be able to compete for a championship for sure with the group they had. They kind of just stagnated, um, and, and I think that's kind of one of the big themes that we've seen throughout the course of the week. Now is everything had stagnated before, and now everything just feels very, very fresh. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's 
that's the biggest shift um, with how the team is playing, let alone what's going on in the front office. Everything just feels very, very fresh for this team. Um, everyone feels like they're getting a fresh start. Um, everyone feels like they're uh, taking steps forward or they're, they're advancing themselves in some way. Um, guys are getting new looks that they may not have gotten otherwise. Uh, and, and everyone feels very invigorated by it. And it's not to say that I think that this team that we have now is a better team than the Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic teams. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't think I want to say that at all. But there is something to it that that things go stale at a certain point. Um, you know, we certainly see this in the league where guys are where, where teams that have been together for too long kind of just hit that ceiling and they they just can't break through. I mean, my, my dad kind of taught teaching me a little bit about stocks. It's like a stock hitting a test point. And and when you hit that test point, what what sometimes happens is enough people buy it that they they break through and they get to that next level. And sometimes what happens is it jumps back, it drops back down a little bit and kind of goes back into into the wave, and then sometimes it crashes to the bottom test point, and and then and then you have a problem. Um, I don't think the Magic were at that bottom test point, but maybe they were because uh, the stock certainly seems to have crashed now. So the Magic kind of saw this opportunity uh, on a big picture scale to kind of reset the franchise. They knew they were getting, they're probably going to get a high draft pick in this year's draft. They knew they had a lot of young guys. You know, they'd already put some money in Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz. They added some more young guys in Wendell Carter and RJ Hampton. Um, even to some extent, Gary Harris, to be perfectly honest, they added some guys that they feel can help them build to get past that point. To, you know, they feel confident that Steve Clifford can get them back to kind of the seven, eight, eight seed level player. Um, and then they feel like they they can get players now that can get them beyond that point. And of course, we'll see. There's still a lot to be determined. The draft lottery is certainly a big piece of that puzzle. But what's happened now is that we've seen, you know, just guys just play much freer. Um, you know, you don't have to look further than Wendell Carter Jr., who, you know, was kind of not buried in Chicago, but kind of hit a rut in Chicago. The role that they had him playing, kind of the baggage that had been uh, building up in Chicago had uh, had kind of, I'm trying to find the right word, uh, had kind of just, just bubbled over. Like, it, it, it just wasn't working. It was just kind of grinding, kind of everyone was kind of grinding their gears. Uh, and then now, you know, Mo Bamba even, you look at Mo Bamba, Without having to worry about Nikola Vucevic kind of getting coming back in as the team's best player, Mo Bamba's played a lot freer. He scored more than ten points in each of the last three games. He's looking fresher offensively. He's he's looking a little bit more dynamic on that end, a little bit more confident on that end. And yeah, there's still a lot of work that Mo Bamba needs to do, but we're we're beginning to see him play and get consistent playing time and carve out a very specific role that's helped him uh, play a little bit better. You know, RJ Hampton is getting his first real consistent minutes of his, of his professional NBA career, not his professional career. Cause obviously he played in New Zealand uh, and, and we're beginning to see what he can do. And, and obviously a lot more pieces are going to be added to the puzzle. I, I still think Steve Clifford's going to end up refining the rotations and narrowing things down a little bit, but there's, there's obviously a, a lot going on here and a lot that, um, that the magic are, are trying to accomplish and a lot the magic are trying to do. But for now uh, on, on kind of the granular short-term level, the magic are just happy to have kind of this new look. Um, and I think there's a big chip on everyone's shoulder. Everyone's trying to prove that, that this team isn't a bunch of cast-offs. This team isn't going to kind of wilt and die. They're trying to prove that they can play. And a lot of these guys have a lot to prove. Um, you know, I think Gary Harris, especially coming back when he comes back, he has a lot to prove. So I think the ma- I think the magic, are kind of in this interesting spot where they have a lot of talented guys, and Magic obviously wanted talented guys, um, that they feel they can build with in the long term. 
but they also have guys that can play now a little bit. And and, and we'll again see what happens. Um, you know, obviously tough game come tough games coming up Saturday and Sunday against Utah and Denver to close this road trip, and and we'll see just how good this team can be. But it does feel like everything's very very fresh, and, and I think the Magic are playing that way on the court, and that's why we're seeing the Magic play really well. Um, you know, a Steve Clifford is a great coach who knows how to get his team ready to play, gives them things that can help them succeed in the short term. Um, and, and when you buy into that, um, you're, you're going to find success just with why the, by the things Steve Clifford emphasizes. Uh, and, and I think the magic are playing with a ton of energy, which is such, such a big deal. Um, if you're new to locker room, if this is your first time, uh, in this, in this app, um, you're free to ask questions. This is not meant to be a one-way conversation. This is not meant to be me, um, doing my podcast and just, just shouting at, shouting at the screen and shouting at the world. So if you have any questions about the Orlando Magic, I know y'all listen here to listen to me all the time. Uh, if you have any questions or want to interact, just uh, let me know. You can either drop a line in the chat or make a speaker request. I think it, I think it is. I don't know exactly how it works on the non-user side. But you can make a speaker request and, and ask your questions away about the Magic, about uh, what's what the team is going on, how the team has looked over the last week. Um, I'm planning to leave this room open for about an hour for those that want to join. Um, if not, if not, we'll close early and, and just, just call it a wash at that. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to speak up. I'm here to answer your questions. Um, you know, obviously I, I shared my thoughts on the Orlando magic today on a, a later episode of locked on magic posted around noonish, I would say around 1130 noonish, um, you know, just talking about last night's game, uh, and how the magic have started to kind of carve their identity a little bit and, and sort of carve the kind of team they want to be now. Obviously, defense is still a huge part of that equation. The, the Magic are still a team built on defense uh, and, and a team that's built on trying to get stops. That's who, how their players are best used right now. That's who their players are, you know, essentially. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. has proven himself to be a pretty strong defender early on here. Uh, you know, James Ennis gets after it defensively, obviously. Um, Orlando's kind of built this, uh, this identity now on defense. And what's been really interesting to watch is the magic have done a really good job at forcing turnovers over the last three games. I believe they're second or third in the league in opponent turnover rate around 18%, uh, uh, 17 point, somewhere between 17, and 18%, excuse me on that. Um, and, and, and that's been a big factor. Orlando is in the last three games, small sample size alert alarm should be, should be blaring. I believe are like second in, uh, points off turnovers, like third or fourth in fast break points when they were in the bottom 10 in all three of those categories um, throughout the course of the season. Um, let's get a question here. Uh, Jaquan Shine asks, how would you feel if we would make the play in German because we're on the doorstep? Um, this is the beauty of the Eastern Conference, folks. The Orlando Magic are only three games out of the final spot in the play in tournament. Um, it is not impossible to make up that ground. The Chicago Bulls have struggled since the trade. Zach Levine's dealing with minor injury. There are predictable question, predictable questions. And I see you, Eli. I will get to you in a sec. Uh, predictable questions about whether Laurie Markkinen can play alongside Nikola Vucevic as a defensive duo. Um, there, there are legitimate questions about that. Um, the Bulls have struggled, and obviously the East is just kind of this huge mangled mess. Orlando is now tied for 13th uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They both have the same 17 and 31 record. Um, you know, I'm someone that believes winning matters, and that that winning is a habit that you pick up. Uh, and if this team starts winning, that that means they have something. Now, obviously, I think they're still missing the elite talent, which is, I think, why everyone saw the moves that the Magic made to be a risk worth taking. Um, and, and I'm personally, you know, as, as happy as I am to see the team winning and playing well, I'm skeptical that this is something that's going to continue. While the Magic are second in the league in defensive rating over the last three games, 
They are also third worst in the league in offensive rating. And so they have a positive net rating. They're playing well, don't get me wrong. But this team's going to have problems. And we're going to see it probably pop up Saturday and Sunday against Utah and Denver. Those are going to be very, very tough games. Orlando, yes, those three games that they've played, they beat an undermanned Lakers team that was playing without Anthony Davis, LeBron James, obviously. They beat um, an undermanned Clippers team that played with just an eight-man rotation without Paul George. And then they beat an eight-man New Orleans Pelicans team playing without Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and and Lonzo Ball. So these wins have been nice. I like to see the Magic win, but let's let's all take a deep breath. Let's all understand that the Magic are taking these games kind of as they come. Now, could the Magic make this kind of run? With good defense, you can can do anything, and I do really believe that. Um, And and so I think that the Magic could make a run. Um, Is that the best thing for the Magic to do? Um, possibly, maybe not, um, you know, certainly long-term, long-term gain, long-term uh, loss there. But um, I do think that the magic and their goal is to continue to push and try to win. That is just how this team is wired. That's what this team believes. Um, and so they're going to see what happens. They're not going to give up on the season. So long as there's a mathematical chance, they're going to go for it. Um, at the very least, what the play-in tournament has done is exactly what it was intended to do. It was intended to make teams like the magic compete and think they can win something. And it has done that. Um, let's turn to Eli Walton. Eli, how you doing, man? I was just looking at, uh, other than these next two coming up, Utah and Denver, there's a lot more wins that I could see possible coming up on this schedule. And um, being a, someone that, you know, kind of prefers we go that tanking route, um, you know, seeing these games and how well these guys are playing is definitely nice, especially the young guys. But um, say the Magic do get in that position where they're, in that play-in tournament and, and they're, you know, they're lessening their likely, uh, or they're lessening their chances of getting a, a good lottery pick. Um, what do you think that that would do for the franchise? And do you think that that would be really detrimental to the franchise? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a, that's a really, really fair question. Um, you know, one of the questions that I had, or one of the things that made me really uneasy about the plan that the magic have decided to implement here is how much it relies on winning the lottery and, and, and doing well in the lottery. I mean, just, again, looking at the schedule coming up ahead, I, I, I don't think the Magic are in any position to count, you know, wins, essentially. Um, I do think that, th- that no matter how bad they are, they will not finish worse than those bottom three teams of Houston, Detroit, Minnesota. I think those are very clearly the three worst teams in the league. And so this is really a fight for the fourth worst record in the league. Um, you know, Oklahoma City is going to make a run at it here with Shea Gilgis-Alexander down for a little while. Um, Cleveland's had their ups and downs all year. Uh, and now, you know, Washington is kind of hard to figure, but, you know, looking at the schedule, you're right there. It does seem like it's going to ease off, ease up a bit, um, at Utah, at Denver this weekend. And then it becomes a nice little homestand, Washington, Indiana, Milwaukee, San Antonio, followed by Chicago, a struggling Toronto team, and then the Rockets. And then it'll probably toughen up a little bit more actually it really doesn't so you know i think the magic as far as everyone thinking like oh the magic have a really tough schedule they're probably out the back end of that tough part of the schedule um that stuff right after the all-star break you know ending with this road trip was the real meaty part of that schedule so yes you're right um the, the games do feel a little bit win- more winnable at this point or feel um a little bit more uh feel like the, the magic can compete the question is how many of these games are they going to win um uh, to your point yes i i, I think that the Magic not getting a high lottery pick in this year's draft um, would be a major detriment to the plan. Um, that that was a big part of why I was uncomfortable. With, I had some discomfort with what the Magic decided to do. I think their reasoning was perfectly fine. Um, you know, I get I get the, the risk that they're taking, and, and it's probably a good risk at the end of the day. 
Um, but if you know they don't win the lottery or if they play themselves out of the lottery and become victims of their own success again, like they did two years ago, which again, I'm not, I think they made the right call bringing back Vooch. They made the playoffs. They should reward that. This team had been out of the playoffs for so long. I think that that was the right call on their part. But if that happens again, then yeah, you know, the Magic are probably looking at another, uh, another kind of meandering, meandering rebuild. I mean, this, the bottom line is this, the Magic, if they want to get where they want to get, and, and win a championship and compete for a championship are going to need to find a superstar player, an A player. Um, and whether that comes at the top of the draft or somewhere in the middle, at some point they got to find a guy that's going to be the guy. And, you know, I like Wendell Carter Jr. I like RJ Hampton. I like Marco Fultz. I like Jonathan Isaac. None of those guys have shown yet that they can be the guy. And they're all fairly deep into their careers already. You know, Chumo Kiki, I don't think is the guy. Um, maybe he is. You know, he's still a rookie. He's, he's still kind of growing and learning and, and figuring out what the bounds of his game. Um, but I don't think he's the guy. The problem with the Magic in the previous iteration, you know, even the, even in the Hennigan era and, and certainly in the, in the Weltman-Clifford era, um, was that they had a bunch of supporting guys that needed someone to kind of stir the drink and, and, and really build that roster and, 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 and kind of put everyone in their right roles. I mean, we're all going to, we're going to see Aaron Gordon on Sunday. Aaron Gordon's playing exactly how we've always wanted Aaron Gordon to play. And a lot of the reason is, is he understands this is Nikola Jokic. This is Jamal Murray's team. Those guys are clearly better than him offensively. Even Michael Porter Jr. Clearly better than him offensively. So he doesn't have to worry about the offense. The offense is going to come to him. He doesn't have to create anything. He can just focus on defending at a high level uh, and then just find his spots to, to score uh, within within a highly tuned offense. So um, that's the role that Aaron Gordon always should have been playing. And instead, the Magic had to kind of force him to be this, al- you know, I, I hate the alpha imagery, but this number one option that that the Magic desperately needed. Um, and so, yes, you're right. If the Magic do play themselves out of a high draft pick here, it's not disastrous. You can still find a way forward. Um, but it definitely changes how you have to build. And, and again, it feels like a lot of what the Magic did at the trade deadline was about let's set ourselves up to get a high draft pick in this year's draft, use that to catapult us forward with the young talent that we already have in place. Right. And I, yeah, and there's not really much else. I mean, you don't, you don't ever want to like go too far with the tanking either because that just sets a bad precedent, you know, for the future. Um, and there's nothing else really that the front office can do. You know, I mean, if, if your young guys and your players are playing that well, they're just going to play that well and they're going to win. So um, you can't really force, you know, a tank. <laughs> yeah. And you don't, and you don't, and you don't want to do that. Um, you know, right. I, I mean, that was one of the flaws of the Hennigan plan was everything was banked on winning the lottery uh, and not only winning the lottery once, winning it multiple times. Uh, and when they didn't, they, they didn't have a coach that built the good habits that could teach them how to, that, that taught them how to win and, and, you know, kind of underneath the surface a little bit. Um, and then when they were ready to win, they were ready to win. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think, I think the good thing about this team that we've seen so far is yes, they're winning right now. And, and I, 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 I do think that's going to stop, you know, I, I'm an optimist. I tend to be, but there are, this team still has a lot of issues. They've, they've taken advantage of some weak opponents and it's good to see them win those kinds of games. Like I I don't. I want them to beat Houston when they play Houston again. Um, you know, they play Cleveland one more time. They need to beat Cleveland. Those are the beat those teams. Just just beat them. Um, don't don't lose those don't lose those games. You know, when, I, I tell this to people all the time. When you have a chance to win a game, you got to win win the game. You got to get into the habit of winning. It, it that stuff matters. But the reality is, this team probably doesn't have the talent to execute against high level teams. So you know, against Utah, against Denver, 
you know, I, I hate to be a pessimist, but I'm not expecting super close games. I'm expecting good fights, but I am expecting those teams to kind of take control and take take advantage of this match team because their their offensive execution is okay, but not anywhere near the level it's going to need to be to beat those kinds of teams unless those teams kind of sleepwalk through games, which, you know, the Magic are probably going to catch a few teams sleeping on them. Right. Yeah, it's going to be hard for us to get anywhere um, too long making five threes a game. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. We are in the finals of Built Bar Madness. So go ahead, go to builtbar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter to check out the final matchup. Two very, very good flavors. Um, you know, I am partial to cookies and cream. It lost in the Elite Eight or whatever they're called, whatever they called it. They, they called it something. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking it up right now. Uh, but but that's 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 my favorite, and, and I'm still going to stand for it. Uh, remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Um, Kyle, what's up, man? Uh, lots to talk about. I I don't know if, if everyone else feels the same way, but uh, I'm just a little rubbed the wrong way by Aaron Gordon's farewell and some of his passive-aggressive remarks in terms of, you know, just happy to be in a functional organization, those types of comments, which seem to clearly be a jab at, uh, at our organization, at the Orlando Magic. Um, well, he did put up a nice letter, but I, I just didn't understand those comments especially when, you know, it's frustrating from a fan's perspective when the whole reason that we were in this losing position and losing games was because you weren't playing to the potential. One of the most frustrating things as a fan in the past few years has been watching Aaron Gordon, and you just had this kind of expectance that he was going to turn a corner and really be a cornerstone, and he never really had that consistency. So I, I wish him all the best, but I just – I don't know if it rubbed you or others the wrong way. And that kind of gets me into the question I have, which is around Mo Bamba. Because, you know, there's kind of that same thing. You know, we, we've, he's, he's still only two and a half years in the league. And I know he's had some, some injuries that have held him out of camp and training. But you just expect some type of jump. And I've heard you talk about him over the last couple games, him getting more minutes he seems to be staying, you know, straight up and down a little bit more, not, you know, fouling as much on when when players are coming into the paint on him. So there some, seems to be some improvement there. But then there's just – it just seems like his mentality. I don't know what it is with him, but he seems not to have that, that kind of instinct for the game. And he gets down on himself. I can't place it, and I'm wondering what you think is the reason why we're not seeing – progress that we're even seeing in like Chuma and he's only been in the league for a year and for most of that he was injured you know so what do you think is the reason that Mo hasn't succeeded is is it because of Clifford's tough love or is there something else is he just not have it between the ears and the mentality does he get down on himself because you know these he has some great plays but then you see he allows his his opponent to get behind him running down the court and it's just a hustle play it's just kind of a, a mentality and a drive so I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think is going on with. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let me let me answer the the Aaron Gordon thing first, real fast. Um, 
I'm not one to get super into the comments that, that Aaron made. I, I think half of it was he's trying to endear himself to a new organization. And, and yes, the, the Nuggets are a little bit more put together organizationally than the Magic you know, were on, during Gordon's run. Um, they're closer to winning a championship. And, and it was very clear that Gordon was kind of hungry to play for bigger stakes. Um, you know, even now, not even just from for bigger stakes, like he's, you know, he's got some business interests that I think he was very interested in seeing, seeing expand. Um, and that honestly might've been part of why he was ready to move on from Orlando. Not just, not because we're, you know, the small pond that Shaq described, but because the magic are just kind of a nondescript organization and that's no one's fault. And like you said, part of it is Aaron's fault. Like Aaron never developed into the player the magic needed him to be so they could build around him and make him that kind of starring player. Um, Aaron has always clearly had aspirations to be a bit more than a third, third guy. And, and one of the things I'm really interested in watching now that he's in Denver is, is he going to accept that role as the fourth option offensively? Is he going to be, is he truly going to be happy being their defensive stopper? Um, you know, certainly like he'll get to the conference finals that way, or he'll get deep into deeper into the playoffs that way, because that Denver team is very, very good. But is that going to be enough? Um, you know, I've, I've talked to a few Denver fans. They were all talking about, you know, how Jeremy Grant was exactly what they needed. They needed a guy who could defend multiple positions, defend the LeBrons of the world, defend the Doncic's of the world, um, really get after guys. But they also, but then they said, you know, the problem with Jeremy Grant was he wanted to go dribble and freelance. He wanted to go be a star, and that's what what ultimately led him to Detroit. And I'm just like, um, that's kind of what Aaron is. Aaron wants to do all that stuff too. So. We'll see how long Aaron lasts on that. Um, I, I think I think you know Aaron. You know, having been around Aaron a little bit in that lot in the locker room, um, I, I think that he, he he I think he means well. Like he, he tries to be very thoughtful, um, but sometimes I think misses the mark on how thoughtful he thinks he is. If that makes sense. Um, so I I didn't read too much into his comments. I, I took them as he's trying to endear himself to a new fan base. You know, show that he's excited for this new opportunity. But um, again, I, I, I don't know. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how he reacts when he's playing against them Sunday. Um, and, and, you know, I think he was, I think, I think he and the team understood it was time to move on. Um, as far as Mo goes, um, I think there are several things going on here. Um, with Mo, uh, it's, it's different than Chuma. Um, Chuma is playing the four. He's playing a wing position. It's a lot easier. I feel for wings to integrate themselves into the league you very rarely see centers come into the league and just absolutely, you know, take the league by storm. Uh, you know, again, there, there are elite centers where that happens, but for the most part, a lot of centers struggle their first couple of years. Um, and a lot of that is because they need to add strength. Um, you know, they're, they're used to playing there. I mean, they're, they're used to having a size advantage over most of the players that they're, that they're playing against uh, in the, at the college level or in high school. Uh, and then they get to the league and there are these big guys. They're all just as, as athletic as you are. And it takes a while for them to adjust to that. Um, the problem is with Mo is his injuries have really hurt him. Um, missing time, um, missing time, uh, his rookie season when he was really, you know, honestly, before he, he got hurt his rookie season, I thought he was making some significant progress. I thought he was really starting to come into his own. Um, and, 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 and the patience was paying off on him. But missing that hurt him. Then he got hurt at, during summer league again, missed a good chunk of that offseason. I thought he was playing well um, right before the shutdown. I thought he was playing extremely well. I thought he was really, really kind of building off of what he lost uh, from before his uh, from before the injury his rookie year. Um, and then the COVID hit. He got COVID, had a really bad bout bout with COVID. And and while there's you know been some confusion about how far along he was, 
you know, very clearly there's several NBA players who've said, I'm still dealing with the issues of COVID. You know, whether Mo is one of those players or not, you know, certainly seems like he is. Um, he's been trying to build stuff back up. But, you know, but it's it, and, and, and that only adds to the problems that Mo, Mo had already where he was just trying to develop and kind of stay with it um, and stay with um, kind of the, the advancements that are needed to be successful in the league. Um, Mo getting minutes now. And, and then I think, yes, Mo was probably pressing a little bit because he knew if I make a mistake, I'm getting the quick hook. Um, you know, Steve Clifford was very, very lenient with his minutes. And, and frankly, I, I think that that a lot of it was a bit unfair, um, you know, but Clifford was going to play the guys that helped him win. And the things that Mo struggles with are things that centers have to do well. At. Um, you know, my big thing with him now that he is getting some minutes is Mo is really struggling on the glass. His rebounding has not been very good. Um, he's still getting moved around. And while it's important that he plays, and I think he's showing a lot more confidence, the fact that his offense is starting to pick up, the fact that he's starting to make those kind of dribble moves and get to the basket and show some of those flashes that we all want to see of him um, is really, really good. Uh, and, and I do think we're going to see Mo continue to make progress as he continues to get minutes this year. But Mo also has to be better defensively. Um, and, and so the big thing, you know, we talk about this a lot, is the biggest growth for young players is between the rookie and sophomore seasons, is that first offseason where you know what the league is like, you now know what you have to work on. The coaches have kind of given you a real plan for development over the offseason. You get with your guys and get better. Um, Mo hasn't had that. Uh, and so what I want to see Mo do, get through the rest of this year healthy, continue to make kind of incremental progress, and then get a healthy offseason to get better. And obviously next year is a big contract year for him. Um, get get Use this offseason to really make it your first true offseason. Get better and show that you belong in this league. Um, because you know clearly he has some of the skills that are necessary to be successful. Um, but he just hasn't been able to put all the pieces together. And again, I think the Magic drafted him knowing he was going to be a project. And like I said earlier, I think the Magic were victims of their own success. The Magic drafted him knowing he was going to be a project, knowing he was going to take time, knowing he was going to need some patience. And all of a sudden, the Magic are winning. The Magic are competing for a playoff spot. And you don't have the time to let a young guy like Mo make the kind of mistakes he's making if you're trying to win. Um, that is sort of out the window and sort of you have to play him now. Um, especially if Kem's going to be out for a little while, or who knows if Kem's going to be out for a little while, or what, what the deal is with Kem. Um, you have to play him a little bit now. So now he's going to get some opportunity to play, get some meaningful minutes, um, and, and we'll see. So I want to thank you for the question, Kyle. If, if you have any questions, feel free to, to drop in. I see, uh, I see Mavs draft in there. Mavs is, Mavs, is, Mavs is a good guy if he wants to hop in and, and talk, um, talk a little draft with us a little bit. Um, let's, uh, let's hear from Kyle again. Kyle, what's up? Just a follow-up to that then. You know, how do you how do you see the Mo Bamba stuff playing out with a contract year? And I mean, Wendell Carter looks really good. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, about no, Wendell it's, Carter. it's it's yeah, no, I, I, I think Mo's future is definitely a really big question. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the plan is with Mo or or how long the patience is is going to be with Mo. Um, because, you know, yeah, Wendell Carter is playing really, really well and. Steve Clifford has proven time and time and time again, he's going to play the guys that give him the best chance to win. And, and he should, you know, I, I think that is, that is a, a good strategy to have. I think that's a, um, a, a good place to, good place to start from. Um, you know, that's ultimately the goal. That's ultimately what matters in this league is being able to win. Um, but, you know, very clearly too, even when Ken was in, he was putting the minutes essentially evenly between Carter, Birch and Bamba. 
Um, I do think that there's an emphasis. There is an attempt now to play Bamba. The, the team and its goals are a little bit different. It's definitely about learning and, and, and developing a little bit. Um, and, and Mo, you know, for the things that he has struggled with, he has helped the team win. He has made plays that help the team win. Um, and so I don't see the magic moving on from Bamba. I, again, I think there's a huge question mark about whether Carter can be a starting center in this league or whether Carter can be a guy that, that the team can not necessarily build around, but can rely on to be a starting center. Um, certainly his defense so far has been fantastic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how that continues to develop and see if he can continue to, de- to defend these, these top end centers really well. He's obviously had a bit of an injury history as well, which might be because he's playing uh, out of position a little bit too. Um, so, you know, I think all these questions are fair. And I think a big part of this season is about figuring out some of these questions and figuring out um, where the magic go next. Um, definitely a good question. Um, you know, Mark, um, Malik Grady asks in the, in the comment section, how do y'all feel about the Magic using some of their cap space to both re-sign OPJ to maybe a three-year $50 million deal with a non-guaranteed year and extend WCJ at some point next year? Um, I, I think I, I don't think the Magic should offer a three-year deal to Otto Porter. Um, I am, depending on how the rest of this season goes, I am open to bringing back Otto Porter on sort of a Jeff Green type deal where it's like one year, $15 million, Just you got the cap room, you need a veteran, overpay for a veteran veteran for a year and let him let him kind of do his thing to get his next contract i'm okay with that um i don't think i don't think i would offer porter more than a two-year deal um and in that second year i'd want a ton of protection on anyway um and i don't think i would give him a ton of money um you know obviously he's not gonna make the 28 million but the a lot of what the magic did and a lot the magic were trying to do with this with the trades that they made last week were to um were to clear their cap sheet a little bit, just get a little bit more financial flexibility. Um, I don't think they'll be in a position next year where they will be able to use cap space to kind of help facilitate trades. I think they're still right up against the salary cap with their draft, with their draft pick salaries. Um, but I think that I, yeah, and I agree. I agree with you, Malik, that, that the idea of a multi-year deal with the partial guarantee deal is to make his contract uh, into an asset. But I, I don't think Porter is necessarily the guy um, that you want to make that investment in, or, you know, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go three years. If it's a one and one fine, I'm good with that. If it's, if it's a one year deal, if it's real quick, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, I think that that's ultimately, I think that's ultimately okay. Um, the magic need to find a veteran. Um, I think that that is absolutely critical to what this team is trying to do. Um, and how this team is trying to build, they need to find some veterans. They need to find, um, they need to find some guys that, uh, that will help lead the young players. And, 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 you know, this is a point that I made, I was shouted out by Kevin Clark on, on the low post about this idea. Um, I think it's really important to keep kind of those young players in roles where they can succeed. Um, you know, Chumo Kiki, I think is playing really, really well. They're, they're putting him in a learner's permit. They're saying, okay, let's start with three point mm-hmm. shooting. Let's start with uh, spot up shooting. Let's start with defense. Let's start with, you know, post up now, you know, they're adding something to his game now where they trust him to make decisions they're kind of building him up slowly. And, and I think that ultimately helps him get better in the long run. That helps him um, improve. That helps him kind of learn how he's going to have to play when the team is winning. So, it, you know, I don't mind Dwayne Bacon taking a ton of shots. I don't mind Terrence Ross taking a ton of shots. Um, you know, as long as they're within the flow of the offense and those other guys get involved. Um, I don't mind those guys being kind of the central focus of the offense right now, um, because I do think it helps other, pl- other players that you do care about helps them be in positions where they're going to score when things matter, when things um, are at their, 
at their at their best or, or when this, this team is starting to turn the corner. So, um, you know, I think the Magic are going to have to find that guy um, in free agency. That was, you know, one of the reasons why I was so kind of dead set on keeping Booch was I felt like he could be a good mentor for young players and kind of keep everyone in the same spot while keeping the team somewhat afloat. But yeah, no, this 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 group needs needs some veteran players, needs some guys that are that are going to kind of help you know carry things and move things along um, if, if they would like. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but the NBA, the NCAA tournament, and the NHL are in full swing, and baseball, MLB, had its opening day this week as well. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked Up. Bet Online, your online sports book expert. Uh, you know, we have a, a celebrity here, um, you know, Mavs, Mavs draft in, in the room. Um, you know, he's, if you follow him on Twitter, he does, um, he says he's a, Ma- he says he's a Mavs guy, but he uh, uh, does a lot of magic stuff too. Um, you know, I'm in a couple, I'm in a group chat with him as well. Um, talking about the draft. Um, h- how you doing, man? I don't think we've actually ever spoken before. Um, yeah, I think this is our first time speaking. I appreciate the praise. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's good. Um, you're, you're, you're hosting Locked On NBA draft now too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand new as of a few weeks ago. Yeah, so everyone should be following that because despite the Magic's win streak, uh, I, I, I don't think we will stop following the draft at all. Yeah, it's kind of in our blood at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it definitely is, and you know, and and the Magic have been real impressive since the uh, since the trade, obviously, and, and they've they've kind of found their their way to play but i i, I do i do think we're, this win this like mini two-game win streak is a bit of a mirage um but um you know i i i i tend to come let's let's talk a little draft here since i have you i tend to come across as a bit of a draft pessimist at times i try not to overhype drafts um but this draft class looks like it's pretty good um those those top five guys especially seem like they're 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 guys everyone's really excited about yeah i mean the top five this year would have all gone number one last year. That's the kind of uh, kind of where the talent in the top five is just so good. And I mean, I, I think it almost extends to seven. I have seven as one tier, or not one tier, but like one range of guys. One super, that, one super grouping. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like Kate and Mobley are above everybody else for me. And then it's like the next five, you could order them almost in any order. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I was actually going to, one thing I wanted to ask you a little bit about was about kind of, you know, we know those top five guys, you know, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, uh, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs. To you, who, who, are, who are those other two guys then that are kind of just outside of that group that, 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 that you're really excited about? Yeah, like you said, you know, you got Cade, Mobley, Suggs. Uh, Kuminga's been talked about a lot. And then Jalen Green is right there. I'm still not as high on him as everyone else, but I'm, and then the other guy who's my fifth range prospect, I'm all in on James book Knight from UConn pure shot creator. I think he's just that kind of modern day too. almost a combo guard has a lot of shades of Zach Levine. So I, I'm big on him. Okay. I, I, I've I admittedly not 
um, done. I, I'm still doing a lot of my draft research, which is probably a little bit late. Um, I, I know the top guys pretty well. I was big into Moses Moody uh, and then his NCAA tournament happened. And I know you don't want to judge guys too deeply on the NCAA tournament because um, it's just one grouping of games and it's not the whole season. But, um, you know, high pressure games obviously matter. Who's, who to you has stood out in the NCAA tournament so far that, that's really helped their draft stock? And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe getting into that, that range where the Magic might be picking with Chicago's pick. Man, I, I don't see anybody at the top that really helped their stock a ton. I mean, Mobley and Suggs really have done a great job. I mean, Evan Mobley, of course, going to the Elite Eight was a huge uh, accomplishment. But Suggs is a guy who I think has pretty much solidified himself as either the second or third guy in the class. But outside of them, I mean, the guy who really stood out to me, I mean, I, this guy isn't someone necessarily I would take with the Magic's pick, but with the Bulls pick, I think is someone that could be looked at. And I know the Ma- Magic just drafted a guard, but Trey Mann from Florida, I, I think he's skyrocketing right now. And I think he will skyrocket if he isn't already. Yeah, no. And, and, and those of us here in Florida are familiar with Trey Mann a little bit. Um, pretty good shooter. A pretty good shooter, I'd say. I mean, you know, maybe not an elite shooter, um, you know, but but a guy who can man the point a little bit, score a little bit off the dribble, you know, d- you know, does, by my eye at least, does a lot of things well. Maybe not anything at an elite level, which is probably why you were looking at him at, in that in that ten range. Um, we we got some questions here in the in the chat. Um, uh, Jaquan Shine asks, "Who's your favorite prospect besides Cade? I know you mentioned James Booknight. Um, who who do you uh, you you said you have Sugg second? Um, who who else who else are we sleeping on uh, maybe in this draft class that that we wouldn't wouldn't already?" Yeah, uh, I mean, so I, I have Mobley second, but Suggs third. They're in this. They're in the same tier to me. And like you said, Book Knight is someone else I'm pretty high on. I'm still pretty big on Sharif Cooper. I think he got robbed of a real season at Auburn. And I'm sorry to keep throwing guards. I know that's probably actually the last <laughs> position the Magic are probably going to go after. But... Well, before before the trades, guard was the only position the Magic should focus yeah. on. Now it's like, well, <laughs> what do we focus on? <laughs> right. It's crazy how one thing can change everything. I mean. Another guy who I think has gotten completely underrated this year or overlooked really is Josh Christopher from Arizona State. He came in as a top 10 recruit, you know, one of the most pure scorers, most electrifying players, but he was injured, battled, you know, playing time really. He just couldn't see the court as much because of those injuries. And I think he only played something like 15, give or take, games. And to me, he's, I've seen him like end of first. I think his talent alone is worth top 15 pick. Uh, he's someone who I think will get, you know, a little bit of stock boost once the workouts come. Yeah, and, ob- and obviously, you know, it seems like it sounds like we're going to have a combine this year, which I think will help a lot of guys. And maybe it didn't help um, at last year's at last year's draft uh, and last year's draft process. But um, you know, one one thing that I'm that I'm interested in, obviously, the Magic, you know, are in a position now to have two first round picks, you know, potentially two lottery picks, potentially two picks in the first, you know, 15, 20 picks. Um, who's the guy that, you know, sort of like a, like Cole Anthony or RJ Hampton did last year, who's the guy that might be slipping through the cracks um, because they didn't have as good of a, a college season as, as, as they might have? Yeah, I think Jalen Johnson's the easy answer on here. He, he People say he quit Duke uh, and he has a history of leaving mm-hmm. programs, but if the interviews check out for him, the talent is there. He almost had a 5-by-5 five five against Pitt. Doesn't really shoot, but does everything else on the court, I would say. And crazy athletic. In his first yeah, game, he had yeah. 21 points and 19 rebounds or something like that. It's it's absurd. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's I mean, I think that's going to be something. I mean, there's a couple interesting things about evaluating players in this draft that um, I think will, will be interesting to see play out. And the first is, 
you know, this season for everyone's been weird. It's been weird in the NBA. It's been weird in college. Um, it's, it's, how do, how does, you know, how does, how weird the season has been with all the COVID protocols, uh, and and just how different, you know, everyone's had to go about evaluating them. Cause I know, you know, Matt Lloyd's been on, uh, on the magic pod squad, magic pod squad and some other magic media that saying, you know, draft, you know, draft evaluating this year has been weird. I've been home all, all year instead of on the road. You know, we're all sitting around watching the games on TV like everyone else. We don't get to, you know, kind of be in the gym and watch them work as much. How 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 do, is this strange season going to affect how everyone gets evaluated? Yeah, I think having teams that can watch and understand film really well and, that you know, crush it in film sessions, those are the teams that are going to get um, helped a lot. I think that's going to be an area you have to have be strong in is, is just going off of tape. And then, you know, once the combine comes, I do think there'll be an in-person combine. I've seen mixed opinions on it, but I think by the time that happens in a couple months, since, because uh, usually it's about a month before the draft, it would be in June when things are supposed to be a lot better. I think there'll be an in-person combine. So I don't think it's going to be too much different. Uh, last year, obviously, unprecedented. There'll be nothing like that ever again uh, for as long as we can see. But I, I think it's not going to be anything too crazy in terms of differences, like you'll get in-person workouts, things like that. Yeah. Um, we got a, we got a question in our chat here from Malik Grady. He asks, uh, how far are you dropping Jonathan Kaminga and how far from Moses and Mo- Moody do you have him? Um, you know, Kaminga's, you know, I, I, I had a general question about this too. Uh, how, how does the evaluation change for those G league ignite guys? Like I, you know, I, I, I agree. I have Cade far and away the number one guy, but I, I was, you know, and I know you said you weren't as impressed with Jalen green, but I was really impressed with, with green, because of what he was able to do against other pro players. Um, it, it definitely seems like it. I mean, it's kind of like evaluating some of the, some of the international prospects because, you know, you have to evaluate the league they're in as much as anything else. But, it, but what did you think of the G league ignite experiment? Yeah, I really liked it. First of all, I mean, it's a whole different alternative and um, you know, seeing guys play against some of the best prospects of the second round and beyond over the last three years, four years uh, is generally who they faced. I think it's super helpful. I think it's better than college. If you're just trying to get to the NBA as a one and done, I, I do think it's probably the better route in terms of just individual development. I, I can't say the same about getting your draft stock improved, but um, you know, green had a really strong close to the year. The beginning of his season, he was a little bit rough. My issue with him, the only reason why I'm not as high on him is because both him and Kuminga have pretty big flaws in one area. Kuminga's is the jumper, which in the modern NBA, that should be probably the bigger concern but i think he has an easier way to make up for it with his great size and ability to get to the rim uh whereas green his ball handling concerns me and i do think that's something he will be just fine improving in but i'm a little bit skeptical as all uh you know his best best tool far and away is his elite athleticism he's the best athlete in the class and if he's not going to be able to handle the ball smoothly and break up break guys down i'm a little bit concerned about how he can use it but i think that might be a short-term outlook that i might be having yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, and these are all, you know, 18, 19 year olds. It's, it's, it, I, I, I try to be better about this with my draft analysis when I'm breaking guys down um, is to say, um, is to say, you know, what can guys do rather than focusing on what they can't do? Um, because they're so young. All these guys are, you know, typically now being drafted at like 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, they'll, they'll have time to get better at things. Now, certain things you, you can't look past. Like you said, Kuminga's shooting is concerning. Um, you know, I saw some okay signs from the games that I watched of him, but for sure his shooting percentages were concerning. He seemed to tail off as the year went on. 
reason that I got very excited about Green was he seemed to get better as the season went on, which I think is usually a pretty good sign of, of how guys can improve and, and, and adapt to new leagues and new challenges that they might face throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at how they're – yeah, I mean, kind of like you said, it's a development curve. That's kind of 101, you know. And I don't yeah. think Kuminga got worse throughout the <laughs> year because I know I said, like, you know, he got hurt at yeah. the second-to-last game. Uh, I think he kind of was consistent. Again, the jump shot, you know, that's something to work on. But Jalen Green will be fine. I mean, I think they're both going to look a lot better in the NBA day one than a lot of these college guys too. Yeah, no, no, I, I think so too. And I'm, I'm usually, you know, I joke around that, you know, you, when you're playing in college, you're playing against boys. When you're in the NBA, you're playing against men. So when, when, you've, when you've already proven that you can succeed against men, like I, 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 I don't think that's nothing, but I, I would put it that way. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you can discount. Like, if a guy does mild against these guys as the top prospect, I think it's almost, you know, it's a lot better than being mild in the NCAA. Like, a lot For sure. better. For sure. Um, before before we, we close up shop here, um, uh, I don't know if you follow, follow, you know, college basketball to the point of picking who's going to win, but uh, is, is Gonzaga the, the sure thing here? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Gonzaga-Baylor. I'd be, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if Houston wins, but I mean, I think Baylor's, they're just so head and shoulders above everybody else. They're on the same tier almost like they're about as close to it. Nobody is on their level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, for sure. For sure. It's been, it's been a fun NCAA tournament, but, uh, but you know, obviously by this point, the big boys are in charge um, and on, although UCLA has been a nice story and I think they're spunky enough. Like they'll, like if, if they can jump on Gonzaga early, maybe they'll, They'll compete a little bit longer, but uh, that 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 Gonzaga team is super duper talented. Like, I mean, we didn't even talk about Corey Kispert, who I think might be <laughs> the best shooter in this draft. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfair because that team, their worst game, I think they won by like six or eight points or ten points, something like that. That's yeah, that's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. It's 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 not fair. It's been it's been a special season for them, and and you know we like we like seeing the little guys get 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 some get something. And and as I joked when Houston made the Final Four, wait a second, an AAC team can compete for a national championship? That's that's not allowed. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to thank I want to thank you, man, for for jumping on this. This for those wondering, this is not going to be the last time we're going to chat. We're going to chat on a podcast. I, I I when we get a little bit closer to the draft, we'll definitely be hit, be hitting you up, man. Hit, 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 Absolutely yeah, hitting you up, man. <laughs> Absolutely, I look forward to it. Yep. No, no worries. Thanks, thanks for jump, thanks for jumping on. Um, uh, that's, I think that's gonna do it for me, guys. We've been, we've been on for about an hour now. Um, I want to thank you all, thank you all for who joined for the locker room portion of this, um, with your questions, um, with your interaction. I'm still trying to find a way to better interact with you guys and to 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 better have this kind of live interaction. I'm hoping that we'll make these locker rooms uh, weekly, probably a little bit more of a normal time. Um, so I appreciate everyone who jumped in over the course of the hour. Um, if you're listening to this on Locked on Magic, I'm planning to make this all on Locked on Magic. Um, you can join us. You can you can follow me at P. Rossman Reich on Locker Room. I'll try and announce on Locked on Magic when I'm going to do these uh, so you can join in and, and have a lot of fun talking Orlando Magic basketball and whatever issue is on your mind. I'm, I love interacting with, with, the, with audience, with listeners, with readers um, on Omagic Daily or on, on, on my Twitter account at philiprr underscore omd. So I appreciate you all um, for joining in, uh, for interacting any way you can. I'm always around to answer your magic questions, but uh, we get to do this part live. You get to hear me stammer and figure out what the hell I'm going to say. Um, so I want to thank everyone again for listening. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. You can follow 
the podcast Locked on Magic at Locked on Magic, as well as follow Orlando Magic Daily at O Magic Daily anytime, anyplace. All Orlando Magic all the time. Thanks again, everyone. Uh, no, no, no more singing. Malik. That 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 will not be happening anytime soon. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining. I appreciate appreciate it all. Um, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the other side after this road trip has come to a close.